This episode of Brailcast Extra is made possible thanks to a grant from the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust. For more information about the Trust, visit its website at wcmt.org.uk. Welcome back. This is a recording of a session entitled An Introduction to Unified English Braille. It was recorded on Tuesday the 19th of January 2021 and introduced by Holly Scott Gardner. Thanks everyone for coming to this Brailleist Foundation Masterclass. Today we're going to be talking about the code changes introduced in Unified English Braille as opposed to Standard English Braille. Hopefully this will clarify a few things for people who learnt Braille before Unified English Braille was introduced because I know lots of people still have questions about that and this is something we get quite often at the Braillist Foundation. I do want to mention that this meeting is being recorded. We record all of our masterclasses and make them available on the website after the event. So you can find recordings of previous events at braillist.org slash media. And so you can listen to those recordings um, whenever you would like to. We have all kinds of things on there. We have Braille music. We have a session on the orbit Braille display. We have a session on language learning, on using a slate and stylus, on labeling, on all kinds of things. So if you'd like to go and listen to those, then feel free to do so. We also run a book club, which takes place on Thursdays. We run an open forum, which takes place on Fridays, and we are running a Braille for Beginners course, which has already started and has started extremely successfully. So that's all good stuff. If you want to find out about our events, you can go to braillist.org slash event. And you can also join our newsletter on our website as well. Today, as I mentioned, we'll be talking about the changes introduced in Unified English Braille. And we have James Bowden with us. He's Technical Braille Officer at RNIB. So he will be explaining all these different changes. So hi, James. Thanks for coming back to run another Braillist event. Thank you very much, Holly. Bless you. It's really great to have you here today. And I mean, feel free to start whenever I think we're good to now we have quite a lot of people in. Yes, hello. It's, it's great to see so many people here and I hope this will be useful to you. Um, I'm sure, as Holly said, you have lots of questions and please do feel free to ask those. Um, however, I would ask you if you could be quick with your questions, no, no, no ramblings, etc, because we do have quite a lot of material if we can get through. Now, I would also encourage you, if you are able, feel free to take notes. Um, there is a handout which will be available from the Braillist's media page after the event. Um, but in the meantime, please do feel free to take notes in whatever way suits you and to ask questions throughout. So, Unified English Braille. It was originally thought of as a concept, believe it or not, nearly 30 years ago. And moving through the timescales, it was started implementation in the UK in 2012, 
with the completion five years ago. But even now, there are lots of questions and people aren't really sure of all the details. So I hope to clarify some of these. And to start with, we'll look at some of the benefits that UEB offers. I'm not saying it's unadulterated benefits with no drawbacks. With all of these systems of change, you get a mixture of advantage and disadvantage. And for your own use, I will say right at the top, for your own use, you can use whatever Braille code you like. UEB is the official code and will be used for official publications like books from the RNIB or bank statements or utility bills, all that kind of stuff. Um, but for your own use, you can use whatever you like. And I'm sure many of us have interesting shorthands and abbreviations that we like to use. So one of the advantages of UEB is it brings more accurate Braille translation, particularly in the direction of Braille back to print. Now, if you use, for example, Braille input on a Braille display to control a phone, for example, you'll have encountered this very quickly when you have to enter email addresses, web addresses, passwords, and so on and so forth. Another benefit is it's one single code for all subjects, excluding music. So there's no such thing anymore as a separate computer code or a separate maths code. It's all part of the one UEB. And it's also one code right the way across the English speaking world. Now I went onto the ICEB website this afternoon and there's quite a list of countries there, right the way from Australia through to, I think it was Zimbabwe. So it's pretty, pretty big list. Um, all the major English speaking countries are using UEB now, Australia, Canada, Ireland, uh, New Zealand, Nigeria, uh, South Africa, the UK, and the USA. Tried to get that in alphabetical order, so hence the pauses. So having the one code across the English-speaking world and with things like the Marrakesh Treaty in process, hopefully will be an awful lot more Braille for everyone that we can share. So, for the changes, there are nine contractions which are removed in UEB. But before I get into the details of which they are, I should say that means there are 180 contractions which are absolutely the same as they always were. So there's a lot of things which are actually the same between SEB the standard English Braille and the UEB, the unified English Braille. So it's worthwhile mentioning that. So the nine contractions which are retired, and I'll go through perhaps a little bit of the reasoning why these were removed. I won't go for the reason for everything, but some of them I will, might be useful. The nine are, if you're taking notes, A-double-L-Y or dot six Y, A-T-I-O-N or dot six N, B-L-E or dots three, four, five, six, by the lower J, com, ah, dots three, six, 
double D, the same as the full stop, into o'clock and two. As I said, all the others are the same. All your dot fives, all your dot four fives, all your short forms like about, across, according, all your single letter signs like still and will and shall, they're all the same and so on and so forth. Now, because nine contractions are removed, some words appear slightly differently. So for example, the word really, now as there's no dot six Y, you use the EA sign is the only contraction that can be used. So R, E, A sign, L, L, Y. Similarly, a word like nation, there's no dot six N anymore. So you write N, A, and then the T, I, O, N sign, five, six, N. Another word, doubled. There's no BLE anymore. So instead you can use the ED sign. So D, O, U sign, B, L, E, D sign. So there's a few words and how they've changed. Now, why all these contractions were they removed? Nine contractions. Well, first of all, we must look at the changing nature of text. In particular, we now have capital letters in the middle of words. That would never happen in ordinary text when the Braille contractions were last seriously looked into, which I believe was in 1932. I wasn't alive then, believe it or not. Um, but you would probably very, 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 very rarely, if ever, have a capital letter in the middle of a word. Nowadays, it's reasonably commonplace, particularly in marketing speak. So, for example, there's a publisher called HarperCollins. It's written as one word with a capital H and a capital C in the middle. There's even a Braille related word like that. It's the popular Braille note. Braille display and note taker is written with a capital B and a capital N in the middle of it. And if you had an ATION sign, it's ambiguous if you really meant Braillation oat or Braille note. And if you're translating with a dumb machine, it may get that wrong. Same is true for Ali, of course. It's another capital. Now then, what about BLE? BLE, as you've probably realized already, doubles as the number sign. And these days, it's quite likely to have a number in the middle of a word as well. You can think about email addresses, joeblogs92 at yahoo.com. Um, I don't know if that's a real one, so please don't quote me. Um, but the 92 is, could, be, could have been misread as B-L-E-I-B because it's in the middle of a word. Now, as an intelligent human, you're unlikely to make that mistake, but for a dumb machine, it's very likely to make the mistake. There are actually instances of humans misreading words and thinking they were numbers when they actually weren't numbers. My favorite example I heard at a conference ooh, five years ago nearly, where someone said the word 
bumblebee and they misread the BLE sign as a number sign and came out with a number 255. Double D, similarly, I mentioned it doubles as a full stop. Now that's no good having this ambiguity and with the prevalence of email and web addresses these days, all of which have got dots in them, DD unfortunately had to go. Now, nine contractions, any contraction that I haven't mentioned in that list still applies. So once again, the nine which have gone, if you're taking notes, A-double-L-Y, A-T-I-O-N, B-L-E, by, com, C-O-M for mother, D-D, into, o'clock, and two. Okay, the next little change is that technical term coming up, sequencing. That is when we used to write and for of the with and a without a space is no longer used. So you always put a space where there's a space in the, in the original text. So this is why into, to, and by were removed because they also were sequenced in the old code. Nowadays, no sequencing, so space between each word. There are minor differences in contraction use. So for example, you can use the EA sign in words that you use every day, like caveat and genealogy. Hopefully that won't come up too much, but just in case it does, you can use the EA sign. And there's a little change to words like silenced and fenced and the surname Spencer or the name Spencer. Whereas we used to use the EN sign and the C and then the ED or ER sign, now in UEB, you use the ENCE sign followed by letter D or letter R. Now I find the way to remember that one is we have the word advanced, which we always used to, and we still do write as ADV.46 ED. Now silenced, S-I-L-5-6 E. D now follows the same pattern. So it's all about patterns for me. And um, yeah, so that's a nice one to remember. And the last one that I want to mention relating to contractions is a little bit advanced, but if you have two words with an oblique stroke or slash between them, you cannot use what they call short forms, which is your above, about, across, etc., because those words can only be used, those short forms can only be used when it is standing alone. Now, standing alone is another technical term, but let's not get into it too much. It basically means surrounded by space or common punctuation. That's a layman's definition, if you like. So if I had above stroke below, you can't use ABV and you can't use lower BL because it's not standing alone. Those two words are actually together 
with a stroke between them. The reason for this is not because we're just being picky, it's because the web addresses often have slashes in the middle and so does mathematical expressions and so on. And uh, as UEB is the one code for all subjects, got to be a little bit more precise. So I hope that's okay. So far, so good. Does anybody have any questions so far? A uh, quick reminder, if anyone wants to raise their hands to ask questions, that is Alt-Y on Windows, Option-Y on Mac, star 9 if you're dialing in on a phone, or if you're on an iDevice, you can press the More button in the bottom right hand of your screen and press the Raise Hand button. Uh, we have uh, a couple of questions, so we're going to uh, keep... Uh, we're going to try and uh, make sure that we get through as many questions as possible, but equally, we've also got quite a bit of content to go through. So we're going to go to Carly first, and then we're going to come to Max. Uh, hey, Carly, you are now unmuted. Uh, brilliant. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to ask a quick one that all of the changes so far, um, bar one that I can see, seem to make the Braille code longer. Um, Braille is quite bulky already. So has anything been put in place to address that? No. So one of the UEB things is not to shorten the Braille. Um, in actual fact, how extra long it is, um, from what I've heard, for standard text, is 1.8% or we're coming on to the next thing, which is capitals, it's about 5% longer. So there is th this is a definite known that UEB is 5% longer for standard text. Well, there you have it. Thank you. A, a good question, though, because it's something that you often hear sort of leveled against it. But it's good to know some numbers behind that. Yeah. Uh, so could I um, could I butt in? Sorry, I, I promised I wouldn't butt in this early in the conversation. But um, I, this is a particularly relevant question when it comes to Braille displays. Um, when it comes to paper, the, the one thing that I would add is that there's actually quite a lot of wasted space in hard copy Braille. Um, so, for example, if you've got a 40 cell line, quite often the line only extends to, say, 36, 37 characters. And so actually, sometimes the added space just makes it extend to, say, cell 38 or 39. So the line count doesn't increase very dramatically and the page count increases even less dramatically. So the effect on hard copy books is actually not that significant. Good, uh, good additional comment there. Thank you, Matthew, one of our other uh, resident Braille wizards. Uh, I've decided that's what he is at, uh, at the Braillist. And thank you once again, Carly. Uh, so we're going to come to Max now. Hey, Max. Hi, um, Ben. I hope you're well. Um, James Bowden, I think, I think I've met you before, haven't I? You have, yes. Yes, brilliant. I uh, hope you're well. Um, well, I know this might sound a bit of a long-winded thing, but um, I've actually picked up a lot on the Braille signs now, like the and sign, the the sign, um, you know, the you know all the short forms for the alphabet and the ED and the now start to work on the dot five. So all of these signs that you're going through, like the B L E and um, other signs that you've been talking of tonight. 
As well as having the answer, um, I do sometimes find when I'm typing Braille that sometimes it can be confusing where to sometimes write them in my words. And um, especially with the EA, especially with the A capital letter, I've got five. Sometimes I always get a bit confused, like like trying to um, tell what's the dot A or what's the dot EA sign or the dot five. You know, sometimes I get confused with that within a word. Mm. Is there a way of trying to maybe figure that out so I don't get confused? It comes with practice um, as part of it. And if, if you, for example, um, for example, the dot fives, Write, yeah. um, for example, a word like bear in the old-fashioned way of writing B-E-A-R, which is not the current way we used to, it's the way we used to write it years and years and years ago, and then write the word such as bright, which is B.5R, and see if you can tell the, dif the difference between them. So there's one dot that's moved from dot two to dot five. So you can see what that feels like, if I can mix my metaphors. Um, okay. Great tip. Um, sorry to uh, sorry to move you along there, Max. Uh, we've got Jess with her hand up who uh, put her hand up during the, the last question. So we'll just quickly come to you, Jess. Hey, Jess. You are now unmuted. Oh, brilliant. Thank Hi, you. Jess. Sorry. Hello. I just wanted to check. You did say there was a handout, didn't you, that would we could get. That's later. I was right. Trying to, I was trying to make notes and then I went to save it and my braille display seems to have conked out. So ah. um, <laughs> I've yes, lost everything is... I wrote. <laughs> oh, no. So once again, very quickly, those nine contractions which have been removed are A double L Y. A-T-I-O-N, B-L-E, by, comma, C-O-M for mother, double D, into, o'clock, and two. Thanks for that, Jess. Now, Thank just, you very much. Just as, uh, just as Jess asked her question, uh, Tina popped hand up. I'm aware that we do have a few hands raised now, but I'm also aware that we have quite a bit of content to cover. So we're going to come to Tina, and then I'm sure there'll be time for questions uh, throughout the rest of the session. Uh, Tina, you are unmuted. Yeah, can you hear me? Hello? Loud and clear. Yeah, hi, oh, Tina. Sorry, I didn't know you hi. Sorry. hi, Tina. So, this is something I've always been flummoxed by. <laughs> um, it's how are you supposed to write an email address? Because I've never actually managed to grasp that, how you actually uh -huh. an email. Okay, so if you wait a little bit later on, I shall be covering the symbols you use for email addresses. And the good news is... Because it's UEB, there is now no special way to write email addresses. You just use the ordinary symbols that you normally use. Yeah, but they all have mm. at in them, and I thought. Well, I'll yeah. show you what the at sign is in a moment. Oh. Okay. And the forward slash, and the well, not the colon, that's the same as it was, and the underscore, and anything else that you need, we will cover that. Okay. So, Tina. And uh, I think we're good to go. So we, we will get to some other hands uh, later on in the session, I'm sure. 
Thank you very much. So continuing on, we've covered all the changes to contractions. The next thing that people will notice very quickly with UEB, particularly if you are used to the standard English Braille, is UEB includes capital letters. Now, this is not actually a huge change because the rules are exactly the same as they were with standard English Braille. Standard English Braille actually had a dual standard. Um, you could optionally use capitals and in education, they did. So dot six before a, a word is a single capital letter. Dot six, dot six, that's two dot sixes, is a capital capitalized word. And three dot sixes, so dot six, dot six, dot six, means the start of block capitals for three or more words. Three dot sixes, three or more words in block capitals. And at the end of that block capitals passage, so after the last word, you would write dot six and dot three, which is the end of capitals. Now here's another little pattern in UEB, all the end of something, end of italics, end of capitals, etc., etc. they all end with a dot three. So there's another little pattern there. So that's capitals. The other one which we often had in standard English Braille is what we used to call a letter sign or dots five, six. It's now called, wait for it, a grade one indicator. Its function is basically the same as it was to prevent misreading something as a contraction or a number, etc. But you don't always need it now in so many places as we used to have in standard English Braille. So for example, in standard English Braille, you would have written a letter sign in front of the word BBC or in front of PM. That is no longer necessary in UEB because BBC or PM can't be misread as anything else, no contractions, etc. So where would you use it? If, for example, you had a CD collection, CD is the short form for the word could. So you have to say, I don't have a could collection, I have a CD collection. So you have to use dot five, six, and then CD is written in capitals. So it's dot six, dot six, C, D. So repeat that, dot five, six, grade one indicator, dot six, dot six, capital word, and then C, D. So you would still use the grade one indicator if you had um, mixed numbers and letters. So that's letters A to J are the same as the digits. So if I had a postcode that ended one AA, you'd still write that potentially if it was lowercase letters with dot five, six A. If it was a capital letters, you'd use the capital sign. I'll say that again. If you had one A, 
If it was a lowercase a, you would write the numeric sign and a for the number one, and then five, six, a for a lowercase a. If it was a capital A, one capital A, you'd have the numeric sign A and the dot six for the capital A. So the reason why it's no longer called a letter sign is because the grade one indicator or dot five six can also be used before things which aren't letters. Now, I'm not going to go into advanced mathematics where it comes up quite a lot, but if you had strange things like a question mark written all by itself, obviously lower H being the question mark on its own is also the contraction for the word his. So to say this really is a question mark, you put dot five six before it. So dot five six lower h is a question mark in an unusual place. It's a little bit weird, a little bit out there, but the point is we can now do these things in UEB, which were a little bit harder to do in the previous codes. Kind of leads me on a bit to punctuation and we'll cover the first little group of punctuation signs and then we'll have another little pause for some more questions. So, most punctuation signs, most basic punctuation signs are exactly the same as they were. So comma is still dot two, semicolon is still dots two, three, colon dot two, five, full stop dot two, five, six, dot two, three, five is exclamation mark, dot two, three, six is still the question mark, and your ordinary quotes are still the lower h, lower j, dot two, three, six, dot three, five, six. Apostrophe is still dot three, and hyphen is still dot three, six. So, so far, so good. All your basic punctuation is exactly the same as it was. Where things change is the rarer punctuation and the more interesting, intriguing stuff. So we'll start with quotes and brackets. So I've already said the standard quotes are the same, that's the normal double quotes, but for single quotes, which you might come across if someone said, he said something, so it's quotes within quotes, for example, the single quotes are opening dot six, two, three, six. Now that's the same as it was, dot six, two, three, six. The closing single quote has changed. It used to be dot three, five, six, dot three. Now it's dot six, dot three, five, six. So it's dot six, lower J. So if you like, the standard quotes are lower H, lower J, and your single quotes are dot six, lower H, and dot six, lower j. Again, it follows a little bit of a pattern. Now, there are other types of quotes, but I don't need to go into those because they I've never actually read one in a book yet. But again, they're based on the lower h and the lower j sign, which is really quite nice. And brackets. There's another lovely little pattern with brackets. All the brackets are based on 
what we know as the GH and the AR sign, dots one, two, six, and dots three, four, five. If you're uh, familiar with the old British maths code, you'll recognize those as the maths kind of brackets. Now, GH and AR on their own obviously are the GH and the AR signs. They still exist and they still use exactly the same as they were. So an open bracket is dot five GH and a closed bracket is dot five AR. Okay, dot five, one, two, six is the open round bracket and dot five, three, four, five, is the close round bracket. Different signs for close and open and close because it's the same braille code for all subjects. So in English, you would normally have a space and then an open bracket and then a word and then a close bracket and a space. And one can say it's fairly obvious which is which. But if, for example, you're doing mathematics or computing or some other technical subject like that, it's absolutely vital to know if it's an open or a close. And you can get them in all kinds of weird and wonderful orders. So that's why there are two different signs for open and close bracket. And they are distinct from each other. Now then, that's round brackets with dot five, GH dot five AR. Other types of bracket use what we call different prefixes. So square brackets, if you're familiar with your, your, your computer keyboard, there's the ones next to the letter P, to the right of the letter P. So these square brackets are dot four six, and then GH for open square bracket, and dot four six, and the AR or three, four, five, for the closed square bracket. So again, there's a lovely little pattern beginning here. All the brackets based on GH and AR with different prefixes. I could talk to you about curly brackets. They're dot three, they're dot four, five, six, GH and AR. Don't know if you'll come across them very often. And there's also angle brackets, which are dot four, GH and dot four, AR. Again, not very often encountered. One slightly strange kind of bracket, which isn't actually a bracket at all, but functions like a bracket, is the transcriber note. It is dot four, four six, and then GH or AR. Dot four, dot four six, and then one two six is open transcriber note dot four, dot four, six, and three, four, five is your closed transcriber note. It's like a kind of modified square bracket, if you like, a square bracket is just four, six, and GHAR. Transcriber notes four, four, six, GHAR. A transcriber note is some text which the person transcribing the book into Braille has added. So the text does not actually exist in the original book. Um, but the transcribers thought it necessary to put some text in. Now, a typical example might be a description of a photograph, for example. Um, or it might be one of those things that frequently occur in things like Braille bank statements. The following table has been Brailled in paragraph form. The column headings are da 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 da. So that text doesn't actually appear in the original statement, um, but the transcribers thought it necessary 
to explain how it worked. So that's brackets and quotes. And let's take another little break for a couple of questions. Have uh, around about uh, 25 minutes for questions and uh, we have a few hands already but just as a quick reminder to any new joiners that uh, to raise your hand it's alt y on windows option y on mac star nine if you're dialing in by phone and if you're on an iDevice you can press the more button in the bottom right of your screen and press the raised hand uh, raise hand button uh, so a, a good selection of hands already and uh, we're going to come to Sheila first and after Sheila we're going to come to Mark so Sheila you should be unmuted now and I'm sorry we couldn't get to you straight away before I know you've had your hand up for a while hello um sorry it's a different um, method so you can hear me can you yes thank you Sheila how are you oh thank you um okay um yeah I'll try and be brief because I am one of the people that absolutely detests UEB and um, but one of the things that you mentioned earlier was um, with the question mark to indicate it's a question mark that you put a dot six or whatever you said it was before the question mark uh -huh. but to me that's unnecessary because doesn't the content of the sentence sort of indicate that there will be a question mark at the end no and the sorry i know i'm i'm sorry i'm, I'm breaking off before you answer that um but the other thing that i wanted to say was um when i'm reading for pleasure which is usually what i'm doing these days um with the ueb um i'll i'll come across something and i'll say to my husband well there must be a word in there somewhere, but I can't find it because there are so many um, uh, punctuations and asterisks and all the rest of it before it and after it that I can't find the word in the middle of it. And I suppose it's not really practical to have, you know, SEB for leisure reading and UEB for anything else. But I would have thought there would have been able to be a line somewhere you know, for, for education, I can understand why UEB works for education. Um, so that's, well, that's it, because I know I've got to be brief, but believe okay. me, I so, could go on and on and on. <laughs> so you asked two questions there. Um, the first one is the question mark on its own. So in ordinary text... You're absolutely right. The context would give it away as a question mark. What is the capital of France? Question mark. That one is totally normal and totally ordinary and is brailled as normal with dots two, three, six. The case I was mentioning is if you've just got a question mark on its own, not connected with anything. And now that could come up in weird things like the computer said, Question mark. The Just on its own. Said, the computer said question mark. Yeah, it could easily do that. I've oh. seen computers say that. Just on oh. its own. 
It's, it's okay. weird, I know. But you, you must remember that UEB is designed to be able to represent any arbitrary string of characters. Now, your reading for pleasure means you're going to have decent, hopefully, ordinary text. Um, but unfortunately, these days, people misuse text quite a lot more than they used to. Misuse text. So, for example, um, I talked about capital letters in the middle of a word. Yeah. You, that, you could class that as misusing text. Um, I did even hear of a pop singer um, who put a dollar sign in the middle of their name just to be different. You know, I mean, that right. would be, you know, that's weird, you know. Um, yeah. These days, email addresses can have all sorts of random characters littered in them and so can social media tags and all this kind of stuff, you know, random collections of characters. And you've got to be able to represent it somehow. So don't worry too much about, you know, particular ins and outs of it, but it's there if it's needed. That's the question. Now, Coming back to your, I know there's a word somewhere in the middle. What I would suggest is you break it down um, bit by bit and see if you can work out what's going on. We will come on to more of these interesting signs that you may come across, um, such as italics, and we've already covered capitals. Um, and so, yes, where they would have had no capitals and just one sign for italics, that will be a little bit more now in UEB. Can I leave it there for now, Sheila? Because oh, yes, we want to yes, get through yes, as yes. many questions as possible, and I do have quite a bit still to to cover. No problem. Uh, thank you for that, Sheila. So we're going to come to Mark now, and after that, we're going to go to Steve. So you should have a box on your screen asking you to unmute. And there, there you go. are. You're good right. to go. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some very very strange. Um, uh, new changes but I, I just you as you was talking I, I was noting all them down but one thing I remember um, when I used to do um, GCSE physics for example one really odd one which I don't know if this has changed or well two actually I don't know if this, this has changed or not um, when you're doing say doing ohms law like two ohms would be so like two four five six w which is the world which is world so capital Greek letters have changed ever so slightly. I wasn't um, going to cover these today, but since you sorry. asked, um, <laughs> a capital Greek omega. So your lowercase Greek letters are the same as they were. Right. Um, so, the prefix yeah. dot four six. So four six a is alpha. Four six b is beta. Yeah. Four six g is gamma. And four six w would be omega, small omega. And then a capital sign goes before it. So a capital Greek omega would be six four six w. Yeah. No ambiguity with world anymore. All oh, right. Okay. That's that. I, I was going to say because I remember because remember I was I was, being, I was told about. It. I'm thinking what? what what what? I mean, luckily, I, as you said, as we as we were saying, I had the intelligence to realise it was it was omega and not world. But mm. yeah, mm. But as you say, it's uh, yeah. Ah, interesting, uh, interesting question, though. Thanks for that, Mark. Uh, so yeah. we're going to come to Steve now. And after Steve, we're going to come to Isabel. Uh, hey, Steve, you're good to go. Hi there. Um, good to be with you all. Um, it's two quick questions. You mentioned the standalone question, question mark was um, five, six, lower H. In an um, unusual position. 
in an unusual position. Um, the ordering question mark is still exactly the same as two three two three six on its own. Surely, the the question is what what would a UEB multiplication sign be? Ah, coming on to them, coming on to them. But you will skip ahead. The arithmetic signs start with dot five, so plus sign is dot five, lower f. Minus is dot five, bottom C. Times is dot five, lower H. Equals is dot five, lower G. The one I missed out deliberately because it's slightly different, divided by is dot five, ST sign. And there's a slight reason for that, and it's all to do with patterns. Okay, and um, another um, brief one. You mentioned angle brackets, um, uh, dot four, GH or AR. Um, do you mean the, the same as uh, less than and greater than signs? Exactly so. Well done, sir. Okay. All right. Thank you for Is that. Is there anything that this man does not know? Thank you for that, Steve. Uh, we're going to come to Isabel now. And then last but by no means least, we have another question from Max. Hey, Isabel, you're good to go. Hiya. Um, when do you use the end capital sign? Because if you're writing CD, you wouldn't use it there. That's right. Is that Absolutely. Right? So... All the block signs, um, or passages as they're actually called in UEB, are used for three or more words. So if I had, for example, um, a sign in block capitals written fire exit, you would write dot six dot six fire space dot six dot six exit, two words. But if I had the nearest fire exit, in block capitals, that's four words. So you'd write three dot sixes at the beginning, and then you'd write the nearest fire exit. And at the end, you'd write dot six, dot three. So it's three or more words. Brilliant, thank you. You know, I always get caught out on things like that. So uh, thank you. I'm glad, glad to hear I'm not the only one. And so with about 15 minutes to go, we have a question from Max. Hey, Max. Oh yeah, um, everything's all good. I just, I was just wondering because I, I've had someone, I think it was you, James, talk about the, the dollar sign. I just wondered what the, uh, what the pound sign was in. Okay, in this leads me. This leads us right on to the next section with numbers and so on. So, Max, I'm going to not answer your question right now, um, but I will answer it in two minutes pounds and dollars and all that kind of stuff. So let's, I know there's more hands, um, but let's move on and we'll have another session of questions. So there are some more punctuation signs, which is slightly different. I'm gonna rattle through these. They're all in the handout. You just use them where needed. So where we have dot, 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 the technical word is ellipsis. You may have heard that by a screen reader, dot, 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 or ellipsis. It's the same as dot, 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 so we use full stops, dots 256, 256, 256. The dash, which is like a long horizontal line in print, is, if you like, a capital hyphen, that's the way I remember it, so dot six, dot three six. And there's a long dash, and that's a weird one, because it's dot five, dot six, and three six. Don't often see that one, but it does sometimes come up. Here we go, the first sign for web, email, and that kind of stuff, the hash sign or hashtag. This looks like a little bridge, dot four, five, six, 
1456 or 456TH. These are all in the handout, so don't worry if you don't get it straight away, note it down. I'm just rattling through these. Asterisk or star is dot five three five. Now, I personally like that one because if you've got a line of stars, it's a lot easier to read five three five five three five five three five, whereas the old one was just a line of IN signs. Here's a next computer one. The at sign used in emails is dot four dot one. So dot four and the letter A the at sign. So Joe blogs 92 at was the email I gave before. So you'd write J O E B L O G S. The number sign or numeric indicator three, four, five, six, nine, two, and then dot four dot one Joe blogs at etc. And another one you might come across occasionally, sometimes in email addresses, sometimes where there's a blank to be filled in on a form is the underscore character. That's not the same as underlining text. The underscore character on your computer keyboard is the capital, the shift key and the hyphen next to the zero. Um, and the screen reader will say underscore. That character is represented by dot four six and three six. So again, note the pattern. It's a horizontal liney kind of thing. It's based on three six and then a different prefix goes before it. So moving on to numbers. We've already covered the arithmetic signs, so I won't repeat them. Numbers, the basic numbers are exactly the same. Three, four, five, six, followed by letters A to J. If you have a comma in the middle of a number, for example, in a long number like a million, one comma zero 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 comma zero zero zero. The comma is the same in a number as it is in ordinary text. So it's dot two. Dot two is now always a comma. Which leaves the decimal point as the same as a dot, which means a decimal point is dots two five six. So if I had zero point five, you would write the numeric sign three, four, five, six, the letter J for zero, two, five, six for the decimal point, and then the letter E for the number five. Sometimes print uses spaces within a long number instead of commas. And the very typical case is phone numbers. So the phone number for the RNIB helpline is 0303 one, two, three, nine, 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 nine. Now I paused where there was a space in the print and to show there's a space within a number, you use dot five. So numeric sign 0303.5123.59999. Interesting one, that one. One final one here, which can appear in numbers are fractions. ST sign is the numeric fraction line. Slightly different if you have algebraic fractions for your advanced physics, um, but we're not doing that today. So if I had a fraction of one half, you don't use lower numbers anymore. You write the numeric sign, the letter A, the ST sign, and the letter B. So one fraction 
two is a half. Okay, other things that can come around numbers are, as Max was asking about, the pound sign and the dollar sign. These all start with a dot four. Another little pattern for you. Pound sign is dot four L, which is actually half what it used to be in SEB. Now you're going to come back and say, no, 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 pound sign was L. No, it wasn't. Pound sign was L some of the time in SEB. It was dot four L in unusual places. So if you had X pounds, or as I once saw on a bank statement, pounds point pence, um, then SEB would have used dot four L as well. So it's now always dot four L for pound. The dollar sign is dot four followed by the letter S for Sierra. Now, why S not D? It's S because the print sign for a dollar is like a letter S with a vertical line through it. So dot four S is the dollar sign. And for those who are interested, this one has not changed. The euro sign is dot four E. It's exactly the same as it was. Percent sign is dot four six and then three five six. That's a slightly interesting one. Dot four six, three five six is percent. Now written unspaced, just like it is in print. So 100% would be numeric sign AJJ four six lower J. And the final one in this group is the degree sign, which is four five and the letter J. So if it says put your oven at 180 degrees C, that would be numeric sign 180 AHJ, 45J, and then immediately followed by a dot six C for Celsius. That's all I'm going to say about um, arithmetic and numbers and so on. I want to move on briefly to accent signs and type forms. There's, we're running quite low on time, but I'll go through this very quickly. UEB does not have a single sign for any kind of accent. Instead, there are lots of different signs depending on the particular accent needed and you use these only in English text where the occasional foreign word so for example um, they went to the cafe and the e acute in cafe is written as dot four five and then the three four now all the accent signs for standard accents in Western European languages start with dot four five. So I've listed four here, but there are plenty more. Um, if you need them, we can look them up. Four five ST is the acute. Four five one six is the grave. Four five one four six is a circumflex. And four five two five is the German umlaut. There are others. So finally, and briefly, bold, italic, and underlined text. Um, Sheila, this might be part of the lots of dots. I'm sure there's a word in there somewhere. 
UEB can show if there's bold text, italic text, underlined text. If you really wanted to, you could show green underlined wiggly text, um, but we don't need to worry about how to do that. The bold single word is dot four five followed by dot two. I kind of think four five is a little bit like a backwards B. So it reminds me of bold. And then the dot two is one word. So it's like a it's like a one almost. So dot four five dot two is a single word in bold. You put that between before each word if it's one or two words. If you've got three or more words, you have a bold passage, and there's one sign at the beginning, which is four five, and then lower G for passage. That's how I remember it. Lower G passage. And then at the end, after the last word, you have dot four five and all the terminators or end signs end with dot three. So four five three at the end is a bold word. So amazing fact written in bold would be four five dot two amazing four five dot two fact. But really incredible amazing fact is four words, that's more than three, three or more, you'd write dot four, five, lower G, really incredible, amazing fact, four, five, and then dot three at the end. Italics is exactly the same idea, but you use dot four, six instead of dot four, five. And underlined text, should you ever encounter it, is dot four, five, six instead of dot four, five. So, an italic word is dot four six dot two, and an underlined word is dot four five six dot two. Now I'm very conscious I've whizzed through a lot of stuff there, and there's probably loads and loads of questions. There are reference documents which will help if you're very welcome to download them. Uh, they are free of charge from the UCAF website, www.ukaaf for foxtrot.org forward slash UEB. There's a single page reference card. There's a longer list um, right the way up to the full reference book, which is six volumes in Braille. Warning, it's not a mean feat, um, which is also available from the International Council on English Braille, ICEB, website at www.iceb.org forward slash ueb.html. All these are in the handout. On the UCAF website, there's also a series of podcasts. So little bite-sized chunks go through all these changes we've done. Uh, at a nice relaxed pace and they're all free to download. It's at the bottom of that UEB page, www.ucaf.org forward slash UEB. You have to tab quite a long way down the page to find them, but they are there. And if you want hard copy Braille, all those reference documents I've mentioned are available in hard copy Braille from the RNIB. Call them in the usual way on 0303 123 9999, or you can go to the RNIB shop, which is shop.rnib.org.uk.
Well, I'm conscious I've gone through a lot of information there. Um, we've just about got time for a question, I think. Uh, we have uh, have Jane with her hand up, who we haven't heard from so far. So we'll come to Jane first, and then uh, if Holly and James think we have time, we'll try and squeeze you in as well, Mark. Uh, hey, Jane, you're unmuted. Um, hello, James. Thoroughly interesting um, bit. On the last bit, I'm a little bit confused. I'm getting confused with bold, underline. And the passage bit. Yeah. So could you explain I, it? Yeah. So the way I remember it is the four five dot two, four five lower G, four five dot three. Yeah. They all start with four five, which is like a backwards B. They're the bold ones. Okay. Your four six dot two, four six lower G, and four six dot three. They're your italics ones. Four six is the same as it was. Yeah. And your underline. All start with four five six. So four five six dot two, four five six lower G, four five six dot three. The L is like a backwards L for underline. That's how I remember it. Ah, oh, yeah. And now your passage thing is always three or more words. Okay, that's what I was getting a little bit confused with. I think it's the passage bit that yeah, I'm three or more not familiar words. with. So, so we, yeah. we all we used to have an italics passage. It used to be exactly. dot four six dot four six. Yeah, that's now what it's four of. six lower G, and yeah. it's three or more words. Okay, thank you for that. Clarif You're very welcome. Can now we, I'm, uh, I'm happy to stay on longer if people have more questions that need to be asked. Uh, let's let's try and get one more in. Let's uh, let's go to uh, Mark quickly, and then I'll uh, I'll hand back over to yourself and Holly. Mark, I've just asked you to unmute, and you are now unmuted. Yeah, um, yeah. Where you mentioned this handout, because I think be, where, whereabouts can this be found, or is that very good point? Um, the handout will be available. Holly, correct me if I'm wrong. It is www.braylists.org forward slash media. Is that correct? Do we? Uh, I think. Do, yeah, Holly, oh, there we go. Yeah, that is correct. Okay. Great. Well, uh, uh, Holly, I don't know if you, uh, do you want to uh, sum up? Um, not entirely sure if Holly Sorry, can... Sorry, my internet is oh, a bit no problem. unstable, but... Yeah, I think I don't really have anything else to add other than we will be putting the recording on the media page as soon as possible. So if people do want to go over it, it will be up and... I'll make sure that everyone knows that that's gone up as well. So I know this is the official end of the meeting. Um, I don't know if it's allowable. I am very happy to stay and answer more questions if people have them. Um, I think otherwise uh, over to you I'm, guys. I'm certainly happy for, for that to happen. I noticed we've got a hand up from uh, Tina. Uh, I don't know whether we want to, whether you want to take that i'm certainly happy for it to carry on for a bit longer if people have got questions because yeah, I, mean, I know I'm it happy is a that. it is a very um it, it's a subject that a lot of people do have questions on 
Let's just take this opportunity as uh, before everybody leaves, because people are leaving in droves now. Um, do stick around if you've got more questions. But I just want to take this opportunity to thank you, James Bowden, uh, for your time and expertise this evening and uh, being willing to uh, take this subject on and answer everybody's questions uh, for the Brailist Foundation. So thank you very much, James. Thank you, Dave. I'll just unmute there. Sorry. Thank you. No problem. So we, uh, we, as Matthew mentioned, we have a question from Tina. Um, I can't stay around too long because I haven't had, uh, haven't had anything to eat yet, unfortunately. Uh, but we'll, uh, we'll go to Tina now. And uh, Tina, you are good to go. Yeah, it's um, a very quick one. I actually did phone up the RNIB helpline right. and asked them, like you said, that they they have. Um, information on how you could can be how to help you convert from um standard english braille to unified english braille and they said no you have to ask the braillist foundation no uh, that is incorrect we do actually have leaflets um that is what they if, told me if, sorry, yeah no no problem at all i'll tell you what you to do if you could email the braillists and if you're happy for me to have your email address, I'll ask the Braillist to forward your email and I will make sure you get the right stuff. Yeah, because I'm, I'm you know, I, I do like reading Braille and I've learnt Braille from the age of five when I started learning Braille. I still do use standard English Braille for my own reference, yeah. but it yeah. would help me when I'm actually reading Braille books on my orbit reader and things like that. Absolutely. Oh, now, if you've got an orbit reader, yeah. if you've got an orbit reader, yeah. you've actually got a summary of the signs on the card, depending when you got the card. How long ago did you get your orbit reader? Oh, I've had it for about not long after the first come out. Ah, OK. So I tell you what, if you... And so I've got card with the free books on it sorry you've got the card with all the books on it the 700 books yeah okay or the 800 books yeah whatever it is I don't there, know there were two i tell you what have a look in the rnib and the reference folder to see if there's a summary of ueb there because you might already have it mm. um we put one on the latest cards if not, send an email to the Braillists, help at Braillist.org. And if you're happy to ask them to forward it to me and I will make sure you get that document and anything else we've got, we, you can put it on your orbit reader and read it to your heart's content. How's that? Yeah, that would be fine. But I don't know how to put it. My, my husband could probably put it on there. Okay. And I can always, you know, I can also ask the RNIB to send you uh, the documents in, in hard copy Braille as well. It would be easy because I yeah. do prefer hard copy Braille. Yeah, that's fine. No problem at all. It, you know, I don't have to put anything on, you know, if the battery goes on the orbit reading, I've got to charge it up, you know, and I wouldn't yeah. stuff. Okay. Sounds like a good I eye. Sorry, how do I give you my email address? So contact the Braillists helpline, help at Braillists.org. Yeah. And ask your email to be forwarded to me. Okay, and your name's James? James Bowden. James, how do you spell that? B-O-W-D-E-N. Yeah, we, 
Um, if you if you just say James, if you like Tina, it's Matthew. I manage the health address, and I know James very right, well, yeah. so I'll make yeah. sure that, <laughs> that gets sent on to yeah, the right place. <laughs> Great, thanks for that, yeah. Tina. Uh, a question from Steve now. Uh, hey, Steve, you're unmuted. Hi again. Thanks for that, Hi, Steve. Um, uh, just briefly, uh, several years ago, I got a. Um, after UEB had come in, I had uh, a couple of books put into Braille, but um, it was optional. Um, it was for private use um, to have uh, bold, underlined, and italics, I think, turned off because I didn't feel they were necessary in the um, text that I, I was going to use. Um, would you expect that now to be mandatory to have them put in? So this is a question that comes up time and time again. Um, and... Some people say bold and italics and so on are overused and other people say it's crucial to show them and there's always this little battle, where's the balance between? So if you're transcribing a book, the problem you have is you don't actually know who's going to read it in the end. Typically, the transcriber is not connected with the end user they may have a contract in the middle um, there might be a third party contractor it just might be a general book and you don't know if that's going to be for um, a university student studying English literature or just your average pleasure reader so the all that to say is the norm is to show bold italic underline within the text it's okay, but my question was uh, along the lines of, I rang up one of the uh, transcribing services from the RNIB and said, could you put this book into Braille for me? Um, I Personally, I don't feel I need the, the bold, um, the underline and, and so on. <clears throat> um, is that still an option or would you expect, because that book could potentially end up anywhere and someone else exactly. get another copy so I, I honestly don't know the answer if, that, okay. if that's modern practice if certainly library books do show underlined bold and italic okay uh, i mean fair enough if, that, if that's how it is i i don't find that quite so easy but uh, then i was uh, yeah. brought up thoroughly on on <laughs> seb and so on but there we are if i could well, thanks for that in, uh, just just come in briefly on this well perhaps not so briefly, but I'll try and keep it brief. There's a question of semantics here. Um, sometimes bold italics and underlining is used because something needs to be put in bold. Um, my name is Steve or my name is Matthew and the Steve or the Matthew is in bold, in which case I would expect most transcribers to use the bold sign in that case. If it's a heading and the heading is in bold because it's a heading, I wouldn't necessarily expect bold or italics or underlined to be used there. I would just expect it to be treated like a heading and for the bold to be dropped. This is a not universal practice and there needs to be some clarification around that, which we'll hopefully do over the next couple of years. But that's yeah. as a starting point, that's sort of where the, the direction of travel that we're heading in, in terms of bold italics and underlined. Yeah. So you're absolutely right there, Matthew. Um, it is standard practice not to show bold in headings because most headings are by definition in bold. So the fact that it's centered or with a blank line above and then uh, it justified one paragraph, if you like, um, or one five paragraph, I should say, that is sufficient to show it's a heading and you don't need to show the bold as well. But you okay. will show the bold in an ordinary paragraph of text. Okay. All right, thanks for that, folks. 
And a question from George Bell next. Hey, George, you're good to go. Hi. Hi, George. Hi, Um, Just a quickie on that question of bold underline and italic. Um, Most of you know that I'm involved with Duxbury and one thing or another. Um, Within Duxbury, certainly, if you are transcribing something for yourself, you have the option to uh, ignore bold, italic and underline. Now, if a professional transcriber happens to be using Duxbury, you can always say to them, look, this is for my personal consumption. I would prefer if you would, you know, check the bold, italic and underline to be ignored. Um, that's, you know, one point, it's quite simple. And then they just retranscribe it and all the indicators go. The second thing is that, and this is where James, I hope, will empathise with me here. If something is a heading, um, Duxbury certainly will follow the rules to the letter, or try to anyway, um, so that uh, a heading one, heading two, heading three in a Word document brought into Duxbury will not carry any attributes at all. Uh, in other words, it's just the text you're going to get. And the reason you know or you should know that it's a heading is because it's in the place or positioned on the page as it should be according to UCAF guidelines. Um, where we often have problems is the, the reverse of that, when we'll get teachers ring up and say, oh, it's putting all this emphasis onto the uh, headings and it's blah, 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 blah. Usually that is because the originator of the text in Word has emboldened the text, italicized the text or underlined the text. And as far as the Braille translation uh, uh, software is concerned, it's a bit of text that's been more bold, underlined or italic. It's not been styled as a heading, if that makes sense. Maybe we can have a session about that on another time. But I just want to make those points. Yes, absolutely right, George. We've seen that before. You've got a te- piece of text just being marked up as bold. The translating program doesn't actually know that you meant it to be a heading because you didn't tell it it was a heading, and therefore it will just show it as bold text. Absolutely right. Well, perhaps we might have a session on uh, on uh, how to you know sort word documents out in styles, but that could be for later if anyone is interested. Maybe, maybe. Well, we've got our head of courses uh, listening, uh, listening behind the scenes. So uh, maybe, maybe something coming up in the okay. next few weeks. Uh, we don't have any more hands. Uh, so I, I, I should have said as well during um, the talk. Um, one of the ways I got myself familiar with UEB was not just reading it, but also writing it so for example when i had to write something in braille while i was kind of making sure i was familiar with ueb rather than just slinging it through duxbury and in Boston, forgive me george um i would deliberately write it out manually on a perkins just so i became more confident and more uh secure with the changes um, particularly for example those nine contractions and adding the capital signs and so on um, writing on a perkins really make you think uh you know and that really helped good tip definitely uh now 
Uh, I know we also have Matthew on the call, uh, but unfortunately, I am going to have to jump off now because I haven't had anything to eat and uh, I'm going to get slightly worried that you'll be able to hear my uh, stomach crumbling over Zoom, which uh, <laughs> no one wants to hear, I'm sure. Well, uh, uh, that, that's good timing because I think we don't actually have any more hands. No up, more so, hands. Uh, I think moment, we can no. uh, we can draw it to a session to a, a, yeah. an end there. But thank you once again uh, to James. Uh, it's been been good to do the session, and thanks to Ben for uh, for moderating, and thanks to everybody for coming along. And uh, do join us for the next session next week when we'll be talking about how to use Braille on Windows, how to connect your Braille display to a computer and how to use it with your favourite screen reader. So that's what's coming up next week uh, from us at Braillist Foundation. Uh, thanks very much and have a good night. Bye.